0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. Uh, this is week number two of Dirty Money. Come on, say dirty money. I see those smiles. Dirty money, part two. We kicked it off last week, and I gave information last week that I had never before shared. We talked about God's system, um, how every kingdom has a form of taxation, um, and we, a lot of new material and I, and what I want to do is I want to brag on you guys because for years I've taught the principles of tithe and offering and stewardship and honoring God with money. And we do this in the month of November, usually every year, there might've been one or two I didn't. Um, but I have never felt pushback from you guys or rebellion from you guys. It, a matter of fact, every person I ran into this week Uh, It seemed like everybody was saying, thank you so much for preaching and teaching on money and on God's economy. And so I just want to brag on you guys, instead of because a lot of pastors don't have that. There's a lot of pushback, a lot of resistance, and a lot of controversy over the subject. But can you give yourselves a hand that you guys are mature believers? Come on, somebody. Mature believers understand that doing it God's way is uh, really, really instrumental in our discipleship process. And so um, as I prayed about this message, I thought I was going to call it something different. But I just, in prayer and in my study time, I just kept hearing the the word increase, the word increase over and over. And so I just want to prophesy to you that increase is coming to this house and increase is coming to your house if you receive it, go ahead and give God a praise right now if you believe that increase is coming. Now, some of y'all are like, I don't know about all this. This is you know, a religious mindset will keep you from receiving, but you gotta understand God owns it all. And can I just say he's gaudy? He's got streets of gold and gates of pearl and a sea of glass, and we worried about how we're gonna pay the light bill. God owns it all. And so I want to talk to you about increase today, and it'll take me a little bit to get there, Uh, but I do believe that increase is coming to this house, but it's also coming to your house. The definition of dirty money is gaining money through illegal activity. That's kind of a street definition of dirty money. Um, with, With our circumstances here in church, I'm using it when we misappropriate or mishandle what God has blessed us with. We know that money, in and of itself, is not good or evil, but good people ten- have a tendency to do good things with their money, and evil people have a tendency to do evil things with their money because money takes on the personality of whoever has it. And so we have to start with the foundation that God has a lot to say about money. He has a lot to say about not just the tithe and offerings. We think God is limited to the tithe and the offering. But if you if you study your Bible, God has to say a lot about how you steward all of your money. He, God will give you a business plan. God will help you to become generous. It's not just bringing the tithe and giving an offering. It's are we stewarding God's money in a way that honors him? Because the word tells us, That if we can be trusted with little, we can be trusted with much. How many would like to be trusted with much? Some of y'all too religious to even say, I would like that. You know you would like to be trusted with much. But you got to first show yourself faithful over that which is little. And money is a serious issue not only for God, but a serious issue for you and I. If you don't believe me, just watch A Family that is struggling to make ends meet. What happens many times in that family? Watch uh, a husband and wife both work full-time jobs, but because they can't make ends meet, they, they take on additional jobs and start working the evenings as well. And then while they're chasing the dollar, the kids have no one to oversee them at all. How many know that's an issue? I said, how many know that's an issue? And, 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 and watch with divorce. Just look at the numbers. The number one reason for divorce is not infidelity, infidelity or they had an affair. The number one reason for divorce is money problems. So if you don't think money is a serious issue, just follow the statistics. The, the stats show us money is a big deal, not only to God, but it's a big deal for all of us. I've said for years, there's two subjects that nobody wants us to talk about in the church, but everybody wants, and that is sex and money. Come on, smile, y'all. I need a little help up here. Don't leave me on an island. Now, I'm going to show you a verse that's very, very interesting, but in Ecclesiastes chapter number 10, verses 18 and 19, it says, because of laziness, the building decays. And through idleness of hands, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry. This is not Chad's word, by the way. This is God's word. But money answers everything. How many of you, just by the raising of your hands, would say, that's an interesting phrase from the Bible? Right? Like money answers everything. Again, not my word, God's word. The writer is establishing that it is expensive to build something, but how many of you understand it's equally expensive to maintain something? It was expensive to build this building, but it is expensive to keep it up. And he says, laziness causes the building to decay, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks, and he sums it up by saying, but money answers everything. To a younger generation today, I would say I have somewhat studied you and considered myself the younger generation um, for a long time until recently, because I used to be the young pastor when I started out as 29, at, at a 29 years of age uh, but now I'm no longer referred to as the young pastor because I'm now 43 and I guess 43 is old uh, but I like to consider myself a part of the younger generation but here's here's what you have to understand not just with the younger generation but with our culture in general we have a spend mentality a spend mentality but God has an invest mentality we think spend God thinks invest and 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 here's how you can tell where you land and I don't want to offend people but I do want to speak accurately and and give you the truth a lot of us if I were to tell you I have a check in my office for you for one million dollars and I just there's no strings attached I just want to put it in your hand how many would be excited some of y'all lying you'd be so excited But if I said I got a check for a million dollars, most of us, and this is what we got to shift if we want to be trusted with much, most of us would start thinking about all the things we were going to buy. Immediately our mind would go to the car we want, the house we want, the the trip we want to go on, the this. We would have a list where our mind would start spending the dollars quickly. But a wise Man and a lot of business men and God himself would not be thinking about how I'm going to spend the million, but they would, they, they would switch that and they would be thinking, now this is a wealthy businessman or a wise businessman. They wouldn't be thinking about what they're going to spend. They would be thinking immediately, how will I turn the one million into 10? Are, are you following? It's not What I'm going to buy, but how would I take the 1 million? We see people win the lottery all the time, and instant millionaires, and three years later, what happens? They're broke. Because poverty is not about money. Poverty is about mindset. So even if you give me $5 million, if I have a poverty mindset and a spending mindset and a taking mindset, in a few years, I'm going to be broke again, and I'm going to need you to give me a handout again because nothing in my life will shift until my thinking shifts. And God is—he's not thinking spend. God is thinking invest. Are you getting anything out of this? And God says that when we bring the tithe and and offerings, that windows—the windows of heaven are open. He'll pour out blessing we don't have room enough to receive. He talks about when we give above that through seed. Anything you give above the tithe is seed, which means there's a harvest on it. Now, a lot of people won't teach that, but we bring the tithe. Anything I give above the tithe, there is a harvest coming on that seed. There is no way I can put seed in the ground if I'm a tither that God is not going to produce a harvest on that. And Jesus said some will get 30, some will get 60, and some will get A hundredfold return. But he did add a little disclaimer for all those that say, I'll take the hundredfold. Like, I want the hundredfold. He said the hundredfold return comes with persecution. I find that interesting. Interesting. Like I can, I can bless you 30, 60, 100 times over, but if you walk in that hundredfold blessing, there's gonna come some persecution. I think what that means is it's gonna be a fight. I think what that means is is sometimes people will have an opinion. How many of some people like you until you get blessed? Listen, if you can't celebrate somebody else's blessing, you ain't ready, baby. You gotta be able to clap and praise the Lord over somebody else paying their mortgage off. I'm preaching real good right here. You you got to be able to celebrate that If somebody says I paid cash for my house and it makes you mad, you got a problem. You should be able to celebrate that. Um, and so so we struggle because we have speed dial and microwaves, and we don't always understand time. That there is seed time and harvest. Genesis eight twenty two. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. We we don't understand that seed takes time to develop. I can't take a seed that's supposed to be planted into the ground, and instead of planting it into the ground, put it in my microwave and push two minutes, and out comes a harvest. It's not how I many of seed in the kingdom is not like a bag of popcorn. That's not how it works. It, it's got to be planted. It's got to go through a process. And I, I just hear right now, I, don't, I didn't plan to say, some of you that are, I'm gonna speak to the tithers right now, the people that tithe and honor God with the tithe, I just feel led to remind you that some of you all got some seed in the ground, and God says your harvest is on its way. It's been some time, and you have not seen the full harvest. Go ahead and praise God if you receive that there is a harvest on every seed. You have ever planted I'm thankful that god has set his kingdom in the local church up like a garden that when I plant into it There is a return on it and sometimes the return is You know god blesses me But sometimes the return for me is good enough when I see cancer being healed when I see kidney failure being healed When I see lost people being saved and marriage is being put back together How many know that's a return right there on seed? So we, got, we we got to understand there's seed, there's time, and there's harvest. Um, and even uh, there, there, there are biblical laws that govern everything. And we don't like talking about these laws, but there are laws that, that sometimes even people outside of the faith are using keys that people in the church won't use. They're not even saved, and they got tremendous amounts of money leaving their life, which is all seed in the ground. And here we are in church and we know Jesus and we know the principles and we spend time crying in, in an altar over something that God has given us a key for. There's some things we're crying in an altar over that we shouldn't be crying in the altar over. We, we have God has given us a principle for it. There are principles for joy and principles for peace and principles for relationships and principles for finances that I don't have to cry over this if I'll use the key that God has given me. Every Sunday, I'm trying to put a key in your hand. And here's the, what, what you got to understand about locked doors or closed doors when, and God has given you keys to the kingdom to unlock. There are doors to this church that I have keys to. And those doors don't care if I'm black They don't care if I'm white. They don't care if I'm Christian. They don't care if I'm Hindu. That door, the lock of that door just wants to know do you have the right key? Do you have the right key? And and we don't get a master key that unlocks everything. We are given, Jesus said, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom. Come on, hit somebody and say use your key. Use your key. And, and people that are outside of the church, celebrities, football players, a lot of times the moment they get the signing bonus, they, they fund money immediately into a local church or they start a foundation. And watch this, sometimes it's not even like they wanted to do that, they just knew that if they didn't do that, the government was going to take half their signing bonus, And so they, they'll come up with a cause or they'll find a local church to give it to, not even understanding the principle that you and I understand that there is, there is seed time and harvest. Here's what we have to understand though. If you are a taker, if you are a taker, you will never experience the fullness of God's blessing. I'm going to say it in a way you can really grab it. If you're a taker, you'll never be wealthy. If you're a spender, you'll never be wealthy. It's why people win the lottery and are still broke. Money does not make us wealthy the way we think does. So write this down, God is an investor. I'm gonna read a scripture that I referred to last week but I wanna read it to you this week and it comes from Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 11. It says, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. And he said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver saying, invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. Do, do you see that? Like he, Jesus is telling a story. He gave them money and wanted to come back to find out what they did with it. What's the bottom line? What are the profits? And the first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed, You are a good servant. You have been faithful with little, with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said, You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank at least i could have gotten some interest on it then turning to the other standing nearby the king ordered take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds this is where the religious people like i don't like this jesus but master they said he already has 10 pounds yes the king replied and to those who use well What they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. Jesus says the guy went away, but he entrusted money. To those that were there, and he's, he came back and he wanted to know what are the profits? In other words, what have you done with what I left in your care? What have you done with it? God is not, does not have a spending mentality, God has an investment mentality. He wanted to know the bottom line. And we know the, the last guy said, you know, I thought you were a hard man. You reap where you hadn't planted. And he said, your words are condemning you because if you really felt that way, you would have went and done something with it. And he takes from the guy who ha- has done nothing, and watch this, he puts it into the hands of the guy who had multiplied his ten times over. Now in the church we struggle because we think we should take from the people who have lots so that they can give it to the people who don't have. But Jesus, and I'm for that, I believe we need to clothe the naked, we need to feed the the poor, the hungry, we need to do all those things. But Jesus teaches a principle here, and, and the principle is this, he places things into the hands of people who know what to do with it. I want this to sink in because he literally took from the guy who did nothing and, and it would be like a millionaire attending here and somebody who made $10,000 a year attending here, but the millionaire honored God, did what he was supposed to do, multiplied his money, did good with investments, and the one who made $10,000 a year never did anything, had a poverty mindset, was greedy, all of those things. Jesus says, take from that one and give give it to the millionaire because I want to put things into the hands of people who know what to do with it. If you can be trusted with little, God says, I can trust you with much. How many's thankful that if we steward it God's way and honor God and do it in a way that's pleasing to him, he will, he will entrust more to us. Some of us can't clap right now because we can't get over. He took from the guy who didn't have as much, but God likes to put things into the hands of people who know what to do with it. We have a generation of people that literally buy. They've done studies on this. People will buy what they want and beg for what they need. So, so I, I'm going to buy the iPhone, but my baby needs formula. Sell the iPhone and feed your baby. But, but they know I can buy the iPhone, I can buy this, and I can beg and get clothes and food. They figured out the system. I'll buy what I want and beg for what I need. Money, the writer of Ecclesiastes said, money answers everything. That's a, that scripture blows my mind that that's in the Bible. And the reason money answers everything is because you have to give money an identity. If I have $20 in my pocket, The $20 can become an offering. The $20 can become bread and milk on the way home. The $20 can become a small amount of gas. I have to give money an identity. Money has no identity of its own. You've got to name what the money's for. You've got to give it an identity. And if you have a taking mentality... If you've got a spending mentality, nothing will ever shift because nothing shifts until my thinking shifts. We serve a God who blesses. We serve a God that wants us blessed. When Israel came out of Egypt, they did not just come out of Egyptian bondage, but they came out with the wealth of Egypt, so much wealth that even the children had to help the blessing and we've got to raise up a generation of people that leave their kids more than a funeral bill and trouble but can leave behind well somebody needs to hear what I'm trying to preach today because I'm talking about increase I'm talking about God has blessed you to be a blessing I'm talking about God blessing your socks off so that your children start, uh, start where you left off give God a praise if you believe that God can do that in your family but we got to have an investment mentality, not, not just a spin mentality. And, and that's, the pos, that's the shouting stuff. That's, that, that's like, yeah, I'll take it. Everybody's like, I'll take it, Lord, I'll take it. But the other side of the coin is, and I have to teach this because I've watched people operate like this. You cannot tithe your way out of bad habits. You cannot tithe your way out of stupid decisions. This, this is important. Because some people think I, if I bring the tithe and I give offerings, then I've got, I've got the tithe coming, that honors God, I've got seed in the ground, God's going to honor that. But you spend the other 90%. And not just the other 90%, you, you go up about another 30% on the credit cards. So we think, because I'm a tither and I got a little seed in the ground, I can just blow through it, and if I don't have it, charge it. You cannot tithe your way out of dumb decisions. God didn't say that we can bring the tithe, and no matter how we operate from then on, it's going to be all right. I cannot offset bad decisions over and over and over just because I'm a tither, that I bring the tithe, and I sow offerings, and yes, the windows open, and yes, seeds in the ground, and it will produce a harvest, but some of us, what's happening is, is we're eating up all of our seed. We're eating it up, or it's, it's before we even get it, it's gone. Before it even touches our hands, it's, we've already spent it. That's why I have to give my money an identity. Increase is coming. I believe that. But I've got to develop God's mindset as it relates to money, which means I've got to start thinking investment. Not just investment into the kingdom. Yes, I need to invest into the kingdom. I need to sow offerings into the kingdom, into my local church. I need to do that. But I may need to set up a meeting with somebody in business that knows what they're doing and start putting away a little nest egg for retirement one day. Instead of thinking one day I'll pull a lever and money's going to fall out. Is this all right? God has a lot to say about this issue. Bring the tithe, Malachi chapter three. They may throw it up there. I don't know if they will. Malachi three, bring tithe and offerings. He said, bring it to me. I'll open up the windows of heaven. I'll pour pour you out blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Again, laws govern everything. Jesus came to bring us laws and principles that unlock blessing. And God has no problem with blessing you. Absolutely no problem at all with it. Jesus has given us keys to unlock certain blessings into our life. Um, I said in the first service, the thing about church that's so interesting is we can all sit back and listen to Google talk about money. We can listen to Apple talk about money. We can listen to sports teams talk about money, Coca-Cola talk about money. And nobody has a problem. You get in church and mention money, and then people get weird. It's like you, you talk about it all week long, all month long, all year long. You go to school to make it. You spend at least 40 hours a week trying to get it. And you're fine with everybody talking about it, but until you get to church. And so I'm saying this is the only place that at times causes trouble for people, and the reason is because they want to separate money from the relationship with God, and the whole message last week, your heart and your money are in the same place, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, if you you, uh, follow the money trail in my life, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what you'll find, you'll find what's important to me. You'll find what I value. If you were to look at what I spend money on, you would determine he loves his kids. Because I'm going to be honest, my kids get a large portion of the pie. Come on, parents, give me an amen. Right? They get a large portion. PK will tell you, they get a large portion of the pie. Um, You would find out that I do play golf. I used to play a lot, but now it's like once a month. And if you live in West Virginia, it's not even really once a month because how many of you out the window right now? I don't like playing in 20 degrees. No fun at all. I want to wear shorts. Not fun this time of year. You would find out I like to play golf. You would find out about me that I love this church. Because a large portion of the pie goes right back into the church. You would find out I enjoy fine dining. Some of y'all like, you're like, "Uh, well, I want to go hunting all week. And that's great. Praise the Lord. Have fun in the woods. Um, but you want to find me? Maybe on a Friday night at the livery. That's where I'll be. Like, that's, that's what you're going to find because the money shows what I value. I don't value hunting. You're not going to see, he spent $2,000 on a hunting week. I've never spent that. There's not, nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying you're not going to, how many know if you follow the money, you find out what people value, what's important to them, what, what they think about. Our money and our heart is in the same place. God addressed the people in, in the book of Malachi. You have to get the context. This is the last book of the Old Covenant. And God is addressing his people knowing that he's not going to speak again for 450 years. How many know that's a long time of silence? I'm going I'm to give you this, and God literally goes silent for over 400 years. And he, what, what God wants to discuss with the people is their money. He said, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. And they're like, we, how we robbed you? He said, in tithe and offering. This is where you've robbed me. He said, if you read it in context, he's like, y'all don't treat governors this way. You don't treat your friends this way. You don't treat your family this way. Yet you guys have devalued me, watch this, because you bring to me your leftovers. That's the whole point of Malachi. You bring to me, you, you do whatever you want to do, and if there's something left, you bring it to me. And he said, I'm sick of it. He said, and I want you, he said, repent. And repentance, guys, is not saying I'm sorry. That's, that may be a part of it, but repentance goes beyond I'm sorry. Repentance means I'm going to start doing what I should have been doing all along. That's what repentance is. Um, the best apology you can give anyone is, is change. If I have to tell Pastor Karen every day, I'm sorry, and it's the, for the same thing every day, at some point she's going to say, uh, husband, I love you, but I would rather you just change and not have to say, I'm sorry for the same thing. Are y'all feeling me or is this too much? And I think a lot of times in November, what happens, y'all know this series is coming, some of you come and you listen and what you do in November is, God, I'm sorry, but you're really not sorry, you want the guilt off because the next November we go back into the series and guess where you're at, I'm sorry. God says, I don't want your sorry, he said, I want repentance. I want you to start doing what you should have been doing all along. Again, increase is coming. Poverty mindsets are going to be broken. I know what they say about West Virginia. I know what they say about our economy. But when you get plugged into God's system, I don't care what the stock market does. I don't care what the economy does. I don't care what, job, what companies do. When you get plugged into God's system, somebody needs to hear that. God will take care of his. He will. He will absolutely take care of his. Every kingdom has a form of taxation. When the government sends me a letter saying I need to pay this amount in taxes, how many know that's not a request? Like, if I treated that as a request, they'd come get me, right? But I don't have any problem paying it because I enjoy having a police force. I enjoy having a school system and school buses and and the roads clear. I enjoy the educational things that I I get by being a a tax-paying citizen, right? I enjoy that. Um, Because what it does when I pay taxes, it gives me rights. Which means that if I call the school system, they better take my call. If I call 911 because somebody's trying to kill me, the police better show I pay taxes. I'm a tax uh, or tax paying citizen. I have rights. I have I have rights as a citizen. The same is true in the kingdom of God. You are now born of another kingdom of another country and when we bring the tithe what you got to understand is not only do the windows open up but you now have access to things that other people do not have access to it opens up some rights and some responsibilities angels can be dispatched heavens can be opened God says I'll rebuke the devourer for you that you won't even have to say it I'll tell whatever's eating your seed up I'll tell that stop it it's enough how many want God doing that on your behalf I do that happens by bringing tithe and giving offering can y'all tell I'm passionate about this I I, I really am passionate about it because so many people just need to say God I'm going to obey I'm gonna do this I'm going to God it's the only place where God says test me in it you can't test God nowhere else but you can test him with money you can test him in this area. I, I, got the, I wrote this down in my notes. Y'all getting a little extra than the nine o'clock. Is that all right? Some of us are clapping and dancing and singing and raising our hands all under a closed window. My prayer does not open up the windows of heaven. My praise does not open up the windows of heaven. The key to open heavens is tithe and offering. We can praise, we can pray, we can, we can give, we, 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 we can serve, we can do a lot of stuff. He said, but the tithe and the offering is the key to experience an open heaven. Listen, if you want financial blessing, you got to use the key that God has given you. If you want to experience abundance, some of us were praying and fasting over bills, but God has told me to tell you you would you you can stop praying and fasting over it if you'll just use your key. I can't hide behind this table, but I feel like I need to hide right now. We sit in the altar and cry over things that God has given us a key for. It's not I don't I don't have to cry. God says, I'll turn this thing around if you'll obey me in this. See, the tithe opens up the windows of heaven, and it gives you access to everything in God's system, watch this, including a return on your seed. This is biblical. I know some of us, we hate that. We're like, oh, you're one of them prosperity preachers. Well, definitely not a poverty preacher. I think we should be taking care of the poor, but if we all poor, who's going to do it? You just going to sit around and beg each other. Hey, can I have your lollipop? I'm starving. We need some blessed folk. We need some people that are not afraid to take God at his word that are not afraid to obey and bring it to him. Watch this, as PK said with a good heart. I'm glad when I get to tithe. I'm glad when God speaks to me about a seed offering. I I get excited when God speaks to me about those things because I know there is blessing on the other side of it. God is literally saying that when you bring the tithe, if you study this out, I don't have time to unpack it all. But when he says, I'll rebuke the devourer, the devourer means seed eater. Whatever's eating up all your seed, God said, I'm going to rebuke it. I'll stop whatever's eating up your seed. And the tithe, if you study this out, you'll learn the tithe actually waters your seed. That it is a covenant protector. That when I'm a tither and then I give, listen, when you bring the tithe, that's a covenant thing. But when I give on top of the tithe, my tithe actually waters the seed that I sow, which means it's protected. The Bible says that when we sow seed, that the enemy comes immediately to snatch it, to keep it from producing. But God says, if you're a tither and you plant seed, I'll rebuke the seed eater, it's protected and every time you plant seed, there's a harvest on it. Some of us, we have a good heart because the tithe, how many, let, let, me, let me do some math with y'all. If I make $500 this week, what's the tithe? Like three of you said 50. The rest of you like, I need the next sermon. The tithe is 50 bucks. But some of us, we have a good heart. And so what we say is, you know, God, I can't afford the 50, so I'm I'm just going to start with the 10. Well, if you brought the 10, you did it from a good place, but how many know the 10 is not the tithe, it's an offering? But watch this, because you're not a tither, it's an unprotected offering. See, that's what the Holy Spirit showed me this week, is that a lot of times people, even out of a good heart, wanting to start, but because they're not a tither, every seed they sow is unprotected. But if I'm a tither and sow, my seed is now protected and produces a harvest. I need you to catch this because a lot of times the enemy's the one saying you can't afford to tithe because the truth is, the truth is, if you can't live off 90%, you can't live off 100. And God can do more with 90 than you ever thought about doing with 100. This is all right. Worship team better come and help me. Y'all get in place. I'm going to close with this. Stand with me today. When, When it comes to God's system and God's economy, when you become a believer, you gain access to God's kingdom. You are now a, listen, please catch this. You are a citizen of heaven. Your citizenship as a believer is in heaven. And things in heaven are much different than things in the earth. For instance, how many of you understand heaven is a place of peace? It's a place of joy. It's a place of wholeness. But Jesus taught us when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be. On earth as it is in heaven, you're now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. This applies to your finances. You're entitled to God's economy. So much so that I want to share this story that's a powerful example at the turn of the 20th century a guy by the name of Alexander Kerr gave his life to Jesus. He became a Christian. And in 1902 he read a book that was on God's financial promises. And he read the book and it so moved him that Mr. Kerr started tithing and adopting these principles some of which I've taught you over the last couple of weeks and he, he started tithing and giving, and in the same time period, he launched a business known as Kerr Glass Manufacturing. And it was based in San Francisco, and this business took off as he was doing the, the God principles and obeying God with, with his money and honoring God with it. But in 1906, San Francisco experienced a devastating earthquake. Kerr was out of the state, but an associate got word to Kerr that, and and his word was, Kerr, you are a ruined man, was his exact word. You're ruined. And Kerr looked at the man, and you got to hear the faith in this. He said, I don't believe it because God will not go back on his promises. And he immediately sent a telegraph asking for an update. And the reply read, Your factory is in the heart of the fire and undoubtedly destroyed. A week, though, after the fire was tamed, a second telegram arrived saying, everything for a mile and a half on all sides of your property is burned, but your factory is miraculously saved. Y'all didn't get that. The fire had even put marks on the fence around everything a mile and a half on all sides, completely burned to the ground, and there was a few fire marks on the fence. But outside of that, not one glass broken, no damage whatsoever. Why? Because we are operating in God's system. We are in God's economy. Go ahead and put your faith with it right now and give God a praise if you're thankful that you're a part of an economy that's not impacted by the world we live in. I think it would be in order if we just gave God a praise right now for every time he's met your needs, for every time he's supplied, for every time you put seed in the ground and the harvest came, every time he's honored his promise in your life. I think it's in order to give him praise and to be thankful for every time he provided for us. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that God has always and will always be faithful. Always faithful. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around for the next couple of minutes as it relates to this message today If You struggle with these principles or concepts, I think today would be a great day for you to trust God and say, I'm going to be a tither or I've been a tither, but I'm going to learn to, as the Holy Spirit prompts me, I'm going to, I'm going to give above and beyond that. I'm going to, I'm going to do more as, as the Holy Spirit, as God directs me to just take that step. And it's not about what, what we're getting out of I, I've told you, if you try that and you start for the first time and in 90 days you say, Pastor, it don't work for me, I'll give you the money back. It's not about what it's going to do for us, but it is about what it will begin to unlock for you. It will unlock a lot of cool things in your life. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm, I'm, I'm not right with Jesus. I know that I'm not, but I don't want to leave in that condition. I want to know that I am right with God that my sins are under the blood. I want to be saved today. I want to make sure my relationship with God is where it needs to be. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but if that's you and you say, I want to be saved, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I need to be saved. I need to have my sins forgiven. A hand over here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? If you're watching online, you can be a part of this prayer. Let our moderators know. They'll help you. Um, come into that relationship with Jesus. This is a life-changing day. Every voice lifted, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Give God a praise for them. Prayer team, prayer team, go ahead and get in place. Staff, get in place. The altars are open. Don't leave without prayer today.